This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have James on from Kahoot, and our topic today is the new workplace villain is quiet constraint. Uh, this is one of the first times I've heard of quiet constraint, so I'm really excited to talk to James about it. Um, James, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Kahoot? Sure, I will do. Hi, William, and hi, everybody. Uh, my name is James Micklethwaite, and I'm from Kahoot. It's fantastic to be here with you today. Uh, Kahoot, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, is a game-based learning platform, probably most famous uh, um, uh, as a quiz used by teachers in middle and high school uh, all around the US and, in fact, all around the world. But maybe what many of you don't realize is that Kahoot's also used by 97% of the Fortune 500. Uh, and it's used uh, as much more than a quiz these days. You can use it for training, onboarding, events, presentations, and workshops. So my role is all about uh, the use of Kahoot in the workplace, which is why I'm here today. And we do an annual workplace culture report that we publish uh, every year, where we commission a survey to find out what's going on in the world of the workplace. Um, and we just released those results. You can download them for free on our website if you're interested. But um, in short, uh, the findings of what we uh, of this year's survey were uh, that we were expecting an extremely high level of disengagement. There's been a lot of talk out there in the industry about quiet quitting, uh, and we were expecting a very high level of dis- disengagement. Uh, and whilst we found some of that, we can touch on that later, um, it wasn't quite as high as we uh, we expected. What we instead uncovered was uh, a really interesting finding that we called uh, quiet constraint. And that is that um, a whopping 58% of employees say that they hold knowledge that they believe would benefit others inside their organization, but they haven't shared it yet. (laughs) So that's what we mean by quiet constraint. And uh, and so first of all, I can see that. So first of all, that tracks for me, that makes sense for me. But why do you, I mean, unpacking that just a bit, why do you think that is? Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to lead the witness any. I, I have some thoughts myself, but uh, why? I'm you- sure you do. Uh, and and you know, I think uh, everyone listening will be uh, um, have a few ideas. So of course, we asked the reasons why in the survey as well, because that's actually much more interesting than the than the statistic right. itself. Um, and so there are a variety of reasons, uh, and some of them, I guess, are uh, um, maybe less surprising, and some uh, I think are. Uh, maybe uh, more uh, more surprising, uh, but let me run through them. So some of them, of course, relate to company culture, uh, mm-hmm. just that people don't feel uh, they have a mandate. Uh, and we asked a specific question about, you know, um, uh, uh, um, uh, for people to agree or disagree with whether they've never asked, they haven't been asked to, and that came up as well. So some are around company culture and people feeling like Either they're not valued, uh, or that they don't uh, um, they don't feel uh, that anyone uh, wants them to share that knowledge. Uh, so that was one big theme. Uh, the second theme uh, was actually uh, you might also suspect some people 
uh, feel that actually sharing knowledge might be uh, detrimental. So they feel that um, the workplace is a little bit competitive and they might give away a competitive advantage uh, right. to their colleagues. Uh, and so perhaps that's one of the first things that comes to mind when people uh, think about this, because this is not an entirely new subject. But I think what we were surprised about was that um, as big a reason as uh, um, uh, certainly the selfish reason was that actually people don't feel enabled. Uh, what they say is that there's no channel, there's no particularly good means for them to share knowledge in that way. And maybe we can talk about that in a bit more detail. But um, what we also found is that, you know, the traditional ways of sharing knowledge, often via a presentation uh, or via um, a training, there's a very high level of disengagement with those mediums, especially in a world of hybrid work where you're not there at the same place. And those formats for either communicating or delivering training just clearly don't work as well as in a uh, physical uh, context when everybody's in the same place at the same time. So I went, first of all, I love those reasons. Um, and I can see that that tracks well. Um, but I went to a kind of a darker place in terms Did of, <laughs> <laughs> just because it's my nature. Um, but But I went to like job security and this is a way of making myself uh, indispensable. Yeah. So I'm not going to share that knowledge. And you, you touched on it in terms of a competitive landscape, especially with what we, you know, economics, macroeconomic issues we might be dealing with right now. Is yeah. if I share that knowledge, you know, then then I become then I become disposable in in some ways. I mean, maybe that's the worry is that I become disposable. And and uh, the other the other thing is. Uh, and I don't know if this is if this is true or if it's just in my head, but I'm not sure how people I'm not sure how people receive uh, feedback in the sense of uh, you know I can I can just speak to this in the first person like I have a, a bunch of uh, millennials uh, that work with me, and I found as Gen X uh, you know squarely Gen X person. I found that giving them feedback, like I'll run with something and not really ask for feedback because <laughs> I'm just accustomed to just like, all right, run with it and go. Yeah. And uh, I found that that's kind of tur a turnoff for them. Yeah. And I've, and I've also found, found myself in situations where I can't feel, I don't feel like I can give them feedback. Like, I don't feel like if I, if I, uh, if I tell them, then, then somehow they, they uh, react negatively. To, yeah. you know what I'm saying like it's almost like I'm caught either way if I if I tell them the answer to this to to the quiz uh you know I'm I'm guilty and if I don't yes. give them any guidance at all then I'm guilty like so I I wonder if managers find themselves in a curious position on how do they share which is to your point how do they yes. share things to where they're consumable by the audience yes yeah, I think that that's a, a fascinating uh, series of points you make. Uh, and I think I'd make two points uh, um, that just spring to mind straight away. Uh, so I think the first is um, uh, you mentioned managers as well. And I think uh, one of our big philosophies uh, at Kahoot is that um, it absolutely shouldn't just be managers uh, and a sort of, of course, experience is necessary, but not necessarily managers who are the only ones who are sharing knowledge. So uh, the, the kind of target audience for us, if you like, is um, all subject matter experts inside a team. So you imagine a team and a team leader. We would uh, um, encourage a culture where 
everyone around the table uh, and, and nearly everybody in a role has specialist knowledge actually uh, and, and tend to be sort of best in team at one particular domain so nearly everybody has knowledge it just doesn't have to be a question of sort of team leader and seniority so that's the first point and then the second point about feedback is is an absolutely fascinating theme uh, I, I completely agree and what we found at Kahoot is that there's a very very interesting way of sharing information which is when you combine uh, the quiz part of Kahoot I don't know if you're aware mm -hmm. of it, were aware of it yourself William uh, with slides at the same time because that allows you in a very actually it's a very warm way uh, and it actually uh, the the quiz itself acts uh, as a way of actually literally bringing people together it's friendly competition and it's very very oh, cool. effective way of bringing people together but what's clever about the quiz questions is it also is a, a real-time feedback for the per person presenting as well so it's actually a very elegant way to you can ask the audience and it feels like actually a bit of fun about a topic and then if most people don't know the answer to that then you are uh, given effectively a mandate to say okay let's talk about this a little bit more a lot of you thought this then that's not actually correct and you can talk to it so mixing up the traditional slides from a presentation with a quiz question to assess knowledge uh, it, we found to be very powerful and then you can also go further than that and you can add in discussion questions so polls word clouds open-ended literally a brainstorm you can say well what are your ideas and with groups that are quite large size you can literally collect ideas vote on them all in the space of a, a small number of minutes when you would normally be doing a sort of one-way it's all slides with Q&A at the end. We find that to be way more effective, particularly uh, when you have an audience that's not necessarily in the same room at the same time. It's 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 interesting that you mention that because I, I often, because I deal with a lot of founders, I uh, I always ask, I always ask before I give feedback, I always say, how do you like your feedback? <laughs> how do you like your feedback? Because I'm kind of, kind of gauging, you know, do you, do you like positive feedback, negative feedback? Do you you know, what, what, what kind of, what flavor is, is in, and it's nice because they'll give me some guidance. Like I, you know, just, you know, tell me, you know, every uh, brutal honesty is my best friend. So, All right, cool. Great. Fantastic. And sometimes I'll get people that will say, you know what, just tell me the positive stuff today. I'm having a bad day. Just give me the positive and we'll deal with the other stuff later. I'm like, All right, cool. Great. Um, so I, I love that part of, of being, being, being able to personalize knowledge to the audience in a, in a way of like, okay, it's, if they can consume it. I wonder if, if you've seen in your, in your, in your world, have you seen rewards or incentives as a way of sharing information? Have you seen that work? Like, is there, is there a way to compensate? Well, that's maybe the wrong word, but is there a way to motivate people to share knowledge? Um, I think there is. Uh, I think, um, a lot of these things, I, I do believe, are uh, the. I think the thing that's really going to move the needle is when this happens culturally. Uh, so, I, I think there are some tools that you can use, and I can talk about those in a second, and they will make a difference definitely. But um, I, I think we should start with with culture because that's actually what really drives behaviours. So, uh, you know, you need to create, and it's a much talked about idea. You need to create a culture of learning. Well, how do you do that? It's like most things in my mind that um, are, are, are cultural. Uh, it needs to start from the top, uh, first of all. Uh, and you need to make learning something that uh, um, everybody inside the organization makes time for. Um, wow. So 
I think um, uh, th this is there's a couple of angles I have on this, actually. So uh, uh, the first is that make time for it. What does that mean exactly? Yes, it does often mean uh, making time for what you might describe as a sort of it's a training session or a knowledge sharing session. So you carve that time out of your diary. So that is part of it. Uh, but what I would also say, because I know I think we all know how hard that is uh, to actually carve that time from our busy days. I think it's also raising the bar about what you're doing in your existing presentations and meetings and trying to get a lot more value out of them. What I see a lot is uh, many meetings and there are so many discussions around the place that seem to somehow lack, especially regular team meetings, all hands meetings, those sort of things. They somewhat lack a bit of a purpose. You know why you're there. It's something to do with sharing some information. Some people sort of know why they're presenting, but it's sort of recognition in itself. Right. But I think you can get a lot more value from those kind of regular meetings, team meetings, all hands meetings, if you, as I said, raise the bar and you think very hard about what it is uh, that's going to be most valuable to share for everyone, and you share it in a very engaging way with tools uh, like Kahoot. So I think that there's a whole cultural piece. And then very briefly on the second uh, side of things, I mean, so how do you, uh, what specific tools, how can you incentivize it? Well, I think uh, we're very in, into, you know, Kahoot is all about game-based learning, which is a, a particular take on gamification. But we do see this time and time again, that where you have uh, leaderboards, uh, for example, that recognize uh, people uh, for doing certain activities, if again, there's a part of the company culture and say in your regular all hands meetings, you recognize, and this is what our best customers do, this is this month's uh, uh, number one employee, uh, then you can really change behaviors. Uh, you don't have to give out prizes. You don't have to certainly, you know, uh, incentivize it financially. But what people really crave is recognition. Uh, so you can use these techniques like gamification. Uh, and um, to your point, it doesn't have to be just about learning. It can be about sharing. So you can have a leaderboard about who's the person who's created the most content, who's delivered the most engaging Kahoot knowledge sharing, sharing sessions. So that's how I think you can really create incentives uh, to make this happen. So the learning and in sharing, if we were to bifurcate those two things, so you've got to give time for people to learn. Yeah. So maybe that's a scheduled bit uh, to your point. Maybe, maybe that's a, um, you know, Friday after 12, everybody gets five hours, everybody go learn something, whatever, you know, whatever the bit is. And I guess every culture or a company can kind of do that different. Obviously we'll do that differently. Um, yeah. So there's the learning part aspect and then the sharing, or at least I see it as two different things. You know, you have to have give people time to learn something new. And then yes. you've got to give people time to share <laughs> what they've learned. Yes. Am I missing yes. that? Right? So no, how do you're we, right. Yeah. How do we, first of all, if I have that right uh, or ish right, uh, how do we institutionalize that? How does how does each company come and come about both the, the learning and the sharing? Because learning, I mean, years ago, EY, Ernst & Young uh, did a really great job in the Knowledge Center. And like whenever you weren't, consulting or wherever you weren't you're on the bench if you will mm -hmm. they put you you got you got into the knowledge center you just learn stuff and yeah. like the, you were incentivized like go learn java go learn something you know go learn something uh and now that wasn't sharing that was learning so yeah. you know that, that, that part was i think they did that well now i'm not sure how they did the sharing part but how do you see with your clients how do you see how they kind of tackle both sides of that thing yeah, no, I think you put it very well there. There are, there are two different things going on there. So I think on the learning side of things, um, I think 
the key there is um, to really put yourself in the shoes of uh, the learner uh, to figure out, you know, exactly how to do that best. Uh, and actually, crucially, uh, our view at Kahoot is that's not about uh, taking people too far out of their day jobs, blocking along uh, lots of uh, blocking out lots of time, and potentially engaging with subjects that um, are quite far removed potentially from the day-to-day work. So you've probably heard this term learning in the flow of work. Um, uh, It's quite popular now, but essentially we really believe that it does make a lot of sense to, uh, you make these learning and sharing experiences, you make them relatively short and you make them incredibly convenient to fit into uh, um, uh, people's daily, daily jobs. And that could be, yeah, yes. I'm sorry to interrupt, James. Short in the sense of because like uh, attention span wise, or we're busy, or Both. people are used to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Literally all of the above, and we okay. are very inspired by you know the new media formats on social media. That is how a lot of people are spending uh, right. their time, and they're used to consuming content now, and so. Yeah. We think it absolutely makes sense that, you know, we one of the things we do at Kahoot is sort of obsessed day and night about really engaging, but also impactful from a learning perspective, content formats. But we right. definitely take inspiration from social media. So it's actually all of the things. It definitely is attention span. Uh, but it's also uh, there's a bit more to it than that. Um, it, it's attention span. It's also it's genuinely uh, busyness as well. So uh, um, it's just uh, everybody's busy. Uh, and what you find, I think, again, with if you look at uh, lots of uh, um, learning experiences out there and 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 actually generally experiences uh, you you the one of the reasons why social media has been so effective is because it's so snackable you fit it right. around your day when you aggregate the amount of time people are spending on social media it's absolutely massive but no one's ever doing that in one sitting so that is the same concept that applies uh, with learning uh, and then it fits around everyone's lives the second point that's sort of related to this is that um actually uh, I think uh, in the past, there's been a temptation uh, to try and deliver too much learning. Uh, it's also been described as content dumping. Right. And there's a f- some fairly famous research about the forgetting curve, which basically says that if someone tells you a bunch of stuff or you read a load of stuff, unless you apply that knowledge uh, very, very quickly uh, to what you're doing, you'll forget the vast majority of it very qu- quickly within 24 hours. 100%. So that's another reason why a, a small bite-sized chunks of learning uh, make sense uh, from a from a pedagogy point of view. So in your research, did you find anything that stuck out to you in terms of demographic, uh, male versus female, age groups, generations, you know, any of that type of stuff, or personalities? Like, yeah, is, we did. Anything that stuck out? Because, you know, of course, my mind goes, well, extroverts, you know, they, they can't sit it. They'd have to sit on their hands not to be able to, <laughs> to share what they've learned. Like, Or maybe maybe that's wrong. But what did what but, did you see in the data? That's a great question. Uh, introverts and extroverts, I think, is a very, uh, very interesting question for sure. And actually, um, uh, we didn't test that in this particular survey, but maybe we can try that for next year. What we did find out was uh, Gen Z. That was very, very striking. So of all of the demographics, we found that Gen Z were, you know, the most bored with the traditional mediums uh, of uh, especially. And so online training, uh, by the way, was uh, the, the, the single kind of way to spend time at work where people reported they were most often mentally checking out and then closely followed by you know, virtual presentations. Uh, so those traditional formats, when translated over onto Zoom or Teams or whatever people are using, 
really don't work, but it was particularly Generation Z who said uh, they found that they weren't working. Uh, and they also, that group, partly because they're younger, and we need to be honest here as well, Gen Z, of course, uh, they tend to be, they're younger and have less experience. Um, so it's perhaps not surprising that they were the ones who felt most strongly, uh, um, even more strongly than average, that they had knowledge to share that they weren't being asked uh, to share. Um, and then finally, uh, we, we also, when we sort of talked, we dug into, okay, great, we've got to create this culture of learning and you've got to make learning fun and easy. We wanted to know how people related to making a, a, a knowledge sharing fun and easy. Uh, and we tested um, a friendly competition because that's very much at the core of, of Kahoot. Right. Um, and it was Gen Z again who reported uh, a very high interest. They really related to that, actually. Uh, so 59% of Gen Z said they would really uh, highly value uh, um, friendly competition as a way to make uh, sharing knowledge fun and easy. So I think what you see in this younger demographic is um, increasing uh, a, a sort of heightened level of impatience with the traditional way of doing things. And they are really looking for, uh, like I alluded to, I think these experiences that are um, where you really raise the bar. So you don't just have a team meeting. Actually, we have a team meeting. And as part of that, we're going to use some new and innovative techniques. Kahoot is one of them, but there are many others uh, that you can use as well. And actually, there's going to be a very specific goal where um, one team member is going to share something that we agree is valuable for the team. And that all happens within the space of team, uh, one team meeting instead of perhaps some sort of slightly dead time. We're catching up regularly because we always catch up regularly and we're filling time, just raising the bar. So what we're seeing is Gen Z, I think, would really respond very, very well to a culture like that. Two two things kind of came to mind with the, the leaderboard and Gen Z in particular. Um, I Both my sons are squarely Gen Z um, and they've been gaming since they were you know very young, right? So yeah. they're accustomed to playing Fortnite and Minecraft and all this other stuff. So yeah. like is does gaming or there's just the access to the internet their entire lives, does that have does that play a role in uh in kind of their not just the way that they, they want to learn, but then and uh stylistically, but also the timing. Do you think that gaming has a, they're they're wanting to be a leaderboard level up moving up you know like being able to see where they are do you see, do you see gaming having a relationship at all i think so uh, i think so and it's so as we know now it's such a you know such a huge industry uh, gaming now so much bigger than the traditionally huge entertainment industries like movies and, and tv it, it's now mainstream and not just the young but absolutely they've known nothing else and yeah i have kids too uh, and they're pretty young right now but i'm very struck by uh, how they they just seem very reluctant to um, do. I mean, they're very comfortable doing more than one thing at a time. But I think the key word is interactivity, and gaming mm. is obviously one manifestation of that. Uh, but what they're very very reluctant to do is just sit there and, and uh, you know even consume TV for too long. Uh, that doesn't right. quite hold them uh, the way it used to maybe hold uh, you or I when we were that age. So interactivity was a big theme that came out. And, and as well as testing friendly competition, you know, we we asked our survey about other experiences. And, and that, I think, resonates particularly with Gen Z, but with all ages now. It's just about, like I said earlier, it, it's about a brainstorm. It's about, you know, discussing rather than the didactic one way, one person at the front communicating. And then maybe if you're lucky, there's a quick Q&A at the end. I think those days are are gone now and that's what everyone all generations but particularly gen z expect now is much more a conversation make it a conversation and make everybody part of that conversation well you know on, on one level you hear you hear this and the audience is going to hear this and it's like 
well, why was it ever not fun? <laughs> like, like, why did we suffer? I mean, I've said this a couple times to people. I'm like, I'm so envious of Gen Z because they just don't put up with things yeah. that I would have put up with. Like, I, yes, I would have put up with, uh, you know, the, the training room and uh, somebody at the front of the training room for three or four days and nodding off and all that stuff. Like, that's, yeah, that's, there was no other model. Like, that was the model. But like, they're just, they're just, I, lo I love this. I love this about both millennials and Gen Z. They're just unwilling yes. uh, to just to just put up with <laughs> kind of these old models, which I I love that about them. Um, I agree. It's forcing us all to change, isn't it? Which is what, which is a, a great thing in a good way. I mean, in a, you know, yeah. in, a, in a wonderful way. Um, so one of the questions I had was, okay, COVID, um, would we be at the place we're at right now? with learning and sharing and, and quiet, uh, constrained in the way that we think of it, if if COVID hadn't happened, if the pandemic hadn't happened, do you think we would already be here? Or do you think that sped it up? Or do you think COVID had any impact in where we're at? That is a, a really great question. I, I think um, uh, I think there's a probably a couple of uh, counter trends going on there. So unfortunately, we only picked up this trend this year. Uh, right. and it, we will quite possibly be tracking it going forwards to test, you know, see how this is changing over time. So I can't give you any hard numbers on this. But what we've seen with COVID specifically is it's obviously had an absolutely massive effect uh, on the way that we've worked. So if anybody who works in a desk job is most likely now uh, working uh, to some extent hybrid, and I think the jury's still out on, on you know where that's going to end up. Right. Um, and the effect of that, I think, has been, when it comes to knowledge sharing, has been, on, on the one hand, it's been very profoundly positive for digital tools uh, because, and digital tools are extremely effective and what we found in some research actually the same survey last year is they're incredibly con inclusive digital tools so what you get for example using a digital tool like Kahoot is uh, if you have a hybrid audience or even uh, an audience who's in the same place at the same time um, because everybody uh, must engage with the experience uh, you really do draw out those introverts that you described earlier the people who wouldn't necessarily participate or feel confident enough to put up a hand or speak in front of their their peers so these tools are very powerful for including everyone whether they're uh, physically present or not and whether they're introvert or extrovert so i think that's been very positive and uh, what covid has done has really shone a light on the power of these kind of tools learning and communication tools to make people collaborate more so that's one very positive trend on the other hand, I think what's quite interesting uh, is that um, the move to hybrid has also made, created some challenges uh, for um, uh, sharing knowledge, which is that uh, those serendipitous moments where you sit next to a colleague at a desk and they just quickly ask you, you know, oh, hey, I was just wondering about this. Can I just ask you quickly about that? The barriers to sharing knowledge in that way have gone up, I think, considerably. You can do it asynchronously, of course, uh, over tools like Slack and Teams. And that's, I think, how people fulfill that need now. But um, I think it's just harder than that physical, uh, um, just quick moment. Let me quickly ask you about something and serendipitous conversations. It feels like now it has to be a little bit more intentional. So right. I do think there are some there are some changes uh, that teams need to make just in the same way as all teams have had to adapt, adopt their management styles and their, their cultures to working in a hybrid way. I think we also need to adapt the way we think about sharing knowledge as a team and be very, very intentional about doing that in the best possible way now that we are uh, working in different places. 
Love it. This has been a wonderful conversation. James, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, William. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news.